Ferry Nielsen from Denmark, who uh, in that centre lane, in lane three, looks so smooth and uh, connected really, getting away nicely. He is now the race leader in this second quarter, Ferry Nielsen of Denmark, the 25-year-old, coached by Thomas Paulsen, who took a fourth place in the Europeans. Well, he looks really connected, doesn't he, when you see that picture of him, just how he gets the blades connected up in this bumpy water. So, Ferry Nielsen on the right of your picture, he's going to take the gold medal. Philip Pavuka, I think, will come through. Angel Fournier Rodriguez for the silver. Will he? It's going to be close. You can see on the line, Denmark takes the gold. Fantastic result here. This man, Ferry Nielsen from Denmark, two gold medals from the World Cup circuit. Fantastic season for him in 2019. And it is uh, the quick leader, Ferry Nielsen, uh, the man of 2019 so far in that white boat. I think his coach, uh, Tom Paulson, the gold medalist in the lightweight fours in 1996, has really said, you've got to be brave, you've got to do something special in this race. He was a little bit disappointed to come in in second place behind Ollie's Idol in the semi-final, but the Dane has really gone out quickly. It's the Norwegian scholar, Kettle Borch in the lead. Ollie's Idler unleashes his sprints. Ferry Nielsen goes with him. Chris Gonis is in there. Breunig's dropping back. It's it's the Norwegian out in front. Seidler, what have you got to offer? Ferry Nielsen comes through. On this near side, Kettle still in the lead. But Seidler's pushing his bows in front. It's one of the greatest men's singles races you see. Ollie's Idler's going to come through and take the goal. Is it? Ahead of Ferry Nielsen. It was so close on the line. A photo finish. I called it as I saw it. I'm not sure if I was right. Kettle Borch. I thought Oli Seidler got that gold medal. He unleashed the sprint. He looks across. He knows he is the world champion. What a finish. How many scholars were in the field just in that last quarter? Well, you said it, Martin. One of the greatest single sculling races of all time. It was so hard to call that right across the field. Welcome to The Rose Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. In South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion Winning. is to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. It's a role in South Africa. Passion. Great. Passion. Fiction. Gold. Ultimate goal. Glory. Relentless training. Pain. Pain. <laughs> Hello ladies and gents and welcome to another awesome episode of The Row Show. Uh, it's starting to wind down to the end of 2019 but we still got some really cool episodes coming your way. We're recording up in the highlands of Lesotho and yeah it's really cool we're on training camp here and yeah welcome Jakey. Yeah guys it's, it's good to be back and uh, like Lawrence said we have an awesome episode for you guys. Uh, very relevant athlete on the scene and the winner of the, the breakthrough athlete of the year we are speaking today to Sferi Nielsen who is a, a Danish scholar and he's had a fantastic season picking up of course the silver medal at world champs not to mention that race which and we've spoken plenty about um, and he's also come away with two world cup wins and uh, a fourth place at Europeans to start the season off so for him a really really good season and yeah it's been awesome chat yeah it was really cool to to chat to our breakthrough athlete of the year and I mean it was a bit a bit different to normal chats because I think usually, uh, especially with older athletes that have just cleaned up for many years, uh, this was like really focused around the season and around uh, the performances of the season. And there were some really really crazy tight races. I mean, 
just the skull final at world champs Linz was one of the best races of all time and uh, it won the the what cash of the titans yeah. uh for our awards and he was right in that race so really to to hear the blow by blow uh, stroke by stroke uh, analysis of the race as he came down the track and how that race unfolded was was really really interesting so i yeah. think you guys are in for a bit of a treat today yeah and you know sir is not new to the the rowing scene he's been uh, he's put, been putting in his work. He's definitely uh, a seasoned uh, seasoned campaigner on the the rowing circuit. He started way back in 2012, and you know slowly has been building his way through the ranks. You know, getting to those B finals, those A finals, and you can really see if you look back at his results, there's been a steady climb all the way to the top. So it's really interesting to speak to an athlete like Sferi, who is you know in at the moment he's just you know had a huge breakthrough season and it's it's not often we get to speak to athletes that have you know just come off such a incredible season so really insightful uh, conversation with him you know we learned quite a, quite a lot about you know the the certain habits and and things you change to really get you to the top of the game and then of course you know time time is everything you got to put your time in for sure so yeah you guys just enjoy the episode uh, on the side Remember just to share it with friends, uh, let your other rowing buddies know that uh, that this podcast is out there, that it exists, and uh, help keep us going. And yeah, let us know if you have any questions or any particular people you want us to interview. Um, just drop us a message. Uh, you can WhatsApp us. You can even uh, just comment or send us a DM on Instagram. No problems. Yeah. Otherwise, guys, enjoy the episode. Today we have a really cool guest on the show. He's had a fantastic season. We have Danish scholars Ferry Nielsen. Thanks for being on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, so I think uh, sh- straight off the bat, we we really want to talk about uh, your world champs racing um, because we we've been speaking about it between the two of us, and we re- we really feel like that's that a final in the men's single skull was one of the best uh, races of all time, if not the best sculling race of all time, at least. Uh, chat to us a bit about you know what what it was like in the in the mix of it. I know you must be a disappointed coming second, but I mean that's that was an incredible race to watch. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it was a really really good race, uh, and uh, of course I was a bit disappointed right after the race when I found out that I was was point oh three seconds from the from from Ali so. But uh, but afterwards, and kind of watching the race, and kind of when everything settled down, I was really happy about the race. Went very good, uh, and uh, yeah, I was really happy about just taking a medal. Yeah, and um, I'm always interested to ask. Throughout the whole race, it was very close. I mean, the, the front order on the pack was was really, really, really tight. And I'm just interested. Did you know how close the race was going all the way to the finish line, or were you kind of like in your zone? And then right at the end, decided you know put in a big sprint and try to go for that gold medal. Yeah, I, I was pretty much just in the zone. Uh, I was really happy about having uh, Ollie and uh, and Brunick next to me because I was expecting those guys to be the fastest. So I just wanted to go out pretty fast and then uh, kind of row off them and just just be in the race by following them. And uh, I think I looked. I think I looked out of the boat once at uh, 500 meters uh, to go, uh, just to check where where Kettle and uh, and Mendaugas and Sinek were. 
but uh, for the rest of the time, I was just focused on the boat. Because like it's so unusual in the skull for for like crews to be that close. I mean, often by the fifteen hundred meter mark, there's like there's some uh, larger gaps developing through the field, and like at the fifteen hundred meter mark, I mean, it's basically two lengths. Like there's uh, you guys at the front, and then it's you know then and Cynic is sitting in sixth place, but he's only like maybe just over a length behind uh, behind everyone else. So it's like at that point, like basically anything could happen because I mean a, a length yeah. in a skull can it doesn't it was not a lot yeah it's easy to make oh and, uh, and when it when it's when it's scenic that's behind you kind of <laughs> never underestimate him so no, <laughs> even though he was in sixth place you just uh, want to make sure that he doesn't uh, come through you in the last 500 and then I mean it really looked like I mean everyone just laid down like everything that they had for that race because I mean even there at the 1500, then you have uh, Chetel Bosch just really giving everything to to take the lead at that point of the race. So I feel like everyone bought their A game uh, on that day, and it was just phenomenal to to watch the Gladiators come down the track. Yeah, but we were we were expecting a very close race. Uh, when uh, I usually check the times from the heats and quarterfinals and semis, and uh, the conditions were fairly. Uh, constant in, uh, in Linz and I could kind of see that everybody was doing about the same time for a thousand meters and maybe up to 1500 meters so we were expecting a, a really tough and really close race which which we also got yeah because I mean it had been pretty close through the the whole season it's not like uh, it was not, it's not like that unusual this season for for the races to be really close mm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, no, the I European champs was uh, about the same. Yeah, you're actually European three champs. Very close. Yeah, that was a, that was a, that was actually honestly a ridiculous race again. And I, I think Lawrence said it earlier that like in the in the men's single, I mean, if you look at the history, this is definitely I feel like some of the tightest racing we've seen in the men's single, and definitely I feel like it's the first time in a while where we've got so many different people. Like sitting at the front of the pack. I think if you look at who's been uh, meddling on the world champion stage in the last three years, it's almost a different group of people each time, and it's been a different world champion. So it's really cool to see uh, such a competitive boat class uh, going into into the Olympic Games. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because I I felt the same uh, throughout the years that there's always been a, a kind of a lead pack that's just been faster than everybody else. And kind kind of a lot faster, like yeah. ten seconds or, or something like that. Yeah, much faster. But now now there's about nine or, or ten guys that can can go really really fast on the day. So yeah, so the, yeah it's a, a lot closer now. So like you say, you only looked at the the boat like uh, once in the race. So like what what went through your mind there? Five hundred to go. You looked out and Chetel uh, Bosch starting to take the lead, and you're like right in the pack there with. Uh, with Ali and it's just everything is really getting getting really tight. So, so what talk us through like the the mental game uh, going into the last five hundred meters? Yeah, um, I, when I when I when I looked out and I saw that Kettle and we were pretty much level at the five hundred meters when when I looked out, I was pretty sure like I okay I got this I got Kettle <laughs> just kind of keep eyes on the boat and just keep going and everything will be good. And I really didn't notice that he just pulled a, a length or almost two lengths <laughs> the next 100 or 200 meters which was awesome <laughs> that was an insane move yeah. um, 
but yeah, I, I was just really focused on uh, on Ali and uh, and Brunick to just hold those guys and uh, and try to yeah try to pull away from them. Uh, so I didn't really focus at, uh, that much on on Kittel or or the other the other three. Yeah, I suppose um, it's difficult because Chetel was on the on the other side of the of the of the lane. So I mean, like when it's when when things are getting crazy like that, it's not easy to always be so um, aware of like what's happening like a couple of lanes away from you, especially when you have the kind of competitors you do have sitting right next yeah. to you. Yeah, you definitely don't wanna you don't wanna lose uh, a second or something by yeah, losing the balance or yeah being too focused on where the other guys are and just want to really just push everything you got and go as fast as you can the last 500 and yeah, just see I mean, um, how it you, goes. You must have felt, I mean, as you said earlier, you like you were quite happy being in the in the middle between Brunick and uh, and Oli and then like uh, Chittle must have felt a bit under pressure being so far on the side, like him having to like, he probably had to pay a lot more attention to what was going on in the race. Mm. Uh, yeah, but he was also pushed by by uh, uh, Mandangas and Sia. yeah, yes, Mandangas <laughs> came with the power the, at the end of that race. Yeah, uh, it was crazy. So, so everyone, everyone had someone to kind of push off, and so yeah, nobody was I mean, kind of alone. Yeah, like we, we like we saying that like, oh, Cynic is down, but like in a normal race. If someone's one link down on you, that's still right in the mix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just because you're comparing it between like six people that are all basically level. Yeah. That it's so close. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, but it was, it was a really good race. It's really a fun experience to be a part of a yeah. race like that. Yeah. Even though you, you never want it to be that close when it's, when it's all said and done. It's, yeah, it's, it's very good to have been a part of it. Yeah, I think it's like maybe nicer to in in the race. It's much nicer to to win in a in a Kiwi pair style. But I think yeah. uh, when you've done the race and it's been really close, it's really drawn everything that you got out of it. And then it's maybe uh, also feels like maybe feels a bit yeah. better afterwards. No, for sure. Yeah, and it feels really good that you can, if you can, perform under that kind of pressure. Yeah, uh, and then also and that, let's jump. Really well. Let's jump back to the the start of the race because your start was like was pretty ferocious it was quite a lot quicker than uh, than the rest of the field uh was there anything like that you that you're doing that you think you're doing differently to the to the other crews to give yourself that little edge out the blocks no not really um i've always been pretty pretty good at uh doing fast starts so it's not I, I, it was in the race plan i wanted to lead or at least be uh, be in the race. I didn't want to get dropped, so I just want to wanted to go out fast and kind of uh, so so I could uh, see the others and kind of pace off the others. Yeah. Uh, so it was part of a race plan, but it's not like I'm not pushing harder than I usually do in a training start or anything like that. I just want to want to have a good start and kind of get away. Yeah, because it was really only the first like 150 meters that uh, that you got out a bit quicker, and then it's just like settling into your rhythm a little bit up on on the others. Yeah, yeah, but you can also settle 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 into their rhythm, so so you don't really have to. Because if you're down by a length, it's also hard to kind of feel if they're pulling away or what's happening in the field. Yeah. So I really like to kind of be yeah, ahead or, or next to the other guys, and and so I don't have to kind of catch up and go through them. Because yeah. like I feel like in the single maybe like there's because it's like you by yourself like in the big boats you like kind of 
you get caught up in your own crew and like worrying about what's happening in front of you, behind you, the rhythm and that sort of thing. Where it's like maybe in the single, it's a bit easier to be aware of like the the rest, the field, and and how and like the the rhythm of everyone else as well. Yeah, and uh, so Siri, we're gonna we're gonna look back at at your season, and obviously this has been um, a massive season for you. Has been a breakout season, and uh, we want to chat about your your Poland racing because you won the the second World Cup in Poland, and I'm sure it must have been a fantastic feeling uh, to you. And I think what makes this result really uh, memorable also is the first time you've ever medaled on the on the international stage, and I'm sure it must have been an awesome feeling, especially considering it's a gold medal in a men's single skulls. So talk to us a bit about that experience and like. How did winning in Poland change your perception going forward? Yeah, it was a really good regatta, and uh, the first international medal to to be a gold. That's yeah, that that was awesome. Um, the regatta went very well. Uh, I was kind of surprised. On usually, I don't really like uh, kind of rough conditions, but uh, I always liked rowing in uh, into the headwinds. So. Uh, so yeah, it, it just everything went very well, and I think I was better at handling the conditions than the rest of the field. So yeah, it was a fun experience, especially leading a field like that. Yeah, kind of by that margin, that was surprising because I've never tried that before to, to kind of lead this field and then just pull away. That was <laughs> that was really fun. Yeah, it was it was definitely uh, a dominant performance from you, and um, obviously, like if we look back at the results, this season has been um, has been obviously a really successful one. I'm I'm just interested, like winning did winning in Poland give you that that raw belief that you were going to go to world champs, and you're like, okay, listen, um, I'm this 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 uh, gold medal positions in the cards. We're going to have a, a cracker. Uh, maybe believe that I could take a medal but uh, because the field is so close and kind of I, I feel that this, uh, a lot of the single scholars are extremely good uh, I never went into a race expecting to take a medal or expecting to win so even though people were calling me a favorite coming into the world and I, I, I never really felt like I was a favorite. I, I, I also I didn't want to feel like I was a favorite. I just wanted to do, kind of give my best performance and then just see if, yeah, if it's good enough for for the medals. Yeah, and then we we also interested to to chat a bit about like the the rowing in Denmark. We we know that you you coached by um, the Danish lightweight four coach. So I'm interested in having a conversation about what, what's it like being being coached by someone that's had uh, so much success in the Danish lightweight four, which was really like a real force in that event from the from the first Olympics when it was allowed into the Olympic boat class right through to Rio. Talk to us a bit about um, being coached by someone that's had so much success in the in in that event. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, I think we have a. Uh a very good uh, combination going with uh, he's uh, extremely uh, an extremely good uh, technical coach and uh, kind of I've always been kind of physically strong so he doesn't really have to 
pay too much attention on kind of how I'm training and if I'm in shape because I, I kind of got that covered. Uh, but he really helps me with the with the technical stuff and uh, yeah, I trust him 100%. When if he says or asks me to do something that kind of might feel a bit weird at the start, I always trust that kind of there's a there's a meaning behind the madness. So I just try it out and we'll see where it goes uh, after a couple of weeks. So uh, you've been in the skull uh, since 2015 and uh, talk us through like the progression that you've had because I mean your results have, have steadily got better and then like between last year and this year you, you've like really jumped up quite a lot so like talk us through like uh, learning the skills in the skull and then like how how you've made these these the, the, the big step up to to the front of the pack yeah I don't really know what happened <laughs> uh, I don't know where yeah what's, what's kind of the magic formula but uh uh, definitely the, the coach helped a lot and uh, I'm training more than I did before uh, so I think it's a kind of a combination between those things just yeah, better physique and more efficient rowing because I mean but, uh, you did a lot of work uh, on the ergo because uh, I mean I saw you done a lot of uh, crash bees and like almost you were like that was the, your main thing almost was like training on the ergo and then and then it looks like you kind of t- calmed that down and uh, really focused on the skull for the last little bit yeah maybe that's right um i haven't really hurt that much this season um but i've also had some problems with my back so i couldn't really work uh, it wasn't really in the cards um yeah i don't know I'm still strong. I'm still faster on the earth now than I was uh, last yeah. season. So maybe you don't have to do too much on the earth to, <laughs> yeah, to pull hard. And also, chat to us a bit about uh, the rowing, rowing in Denmark in general. Like, how does it work? Is there a centralized program? Um, because we saw that uh, there was uh, there were there were ten boats from Denmark at at the regatta. So it seems like it's a decent team. Chat to us a bit about how the how the training operates in Denmark. Is it a centralized team, or do, are you guys? Uh, regionally based and you you go through to world champs like on your own accord no it's it's a uh, centralized based uh, we, we're training in uh, or just outside of uh, Copenhagen the capital um, and we, uh, the women's uh, single field she trains uh, uh, somewhere else uh, yeah. as, the, as the only only rower but if you want to be on the on the national team you you have to be able to train in uh, in Copenhagen Okay, so you have to yeah, so you have to be you have to be there and uh, training with the team, and then like, is it uh, is it quite competitive between you guys? And like, do you guys do you guys train together with like all the sessions, or are you are you quite like quite free in your on your own? Yeah, we're quite free. Um, I just just do the work, uh, but uh, yeah, sometimes especially in the winter, we we try to kind of do the erg sessions or maybe the weight sessions together so we still have some uh, yeah, teamwork uh, but most of the work is kind of done individually so okay. by each crew and then like because I mean like it can be quite like lonely in the skull and are you do you like enjoy that time uh, by yourself or like uh, or do you like training with another crew next to you to, to kind of push you on 
Yeah, I want I want a combination. Kind of, I, I like being alone, and so I don't have to depend on all the others. Since they're always always too slow on the water, or there's always something <laughs> if you're training with somebody else. And it's just yeah. me. I can just follow my own plan, and I'm always on time, and everything's good. But uh, it definitely gets lonely. So it's very good to have uh, have some company uh, occasionally. Yeah, I think it's it's always about fi- finding that balance because I think um, you know also a huge element about you know having uh, other people with to train with is like that competitive element and it's it's always nice to to have that competitive element because I mean it keeps you on edge, it keeps the the blade sharp uh, so to speak. And um, I mean on also on the flip side, like uh, the the, ind- the independence is also you know really good for honing in on your own rowing and not worrying too much about uh, about what it, what everyone else is doing. Yeah, but you. I think I, I like the competition element. That's I think that's really important that you kind of have someone to push off. Uh, but uh, it can also be too much if if you're competing kind of every day and uh, every erg session. If every erg session that's supposed to be light becomes very hard because you kind of want always want to go a little bit faster than the the guy next to you. So, if in Denmark to keep things competitive, who 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 keeps you honest in, in the skull? Is it another skull, or do you compete against a, a bigger boat? Uh, a bigger boat. I see. <laughs> uh, if, if if there's a if there's a lightweight sculler, I um, try to use him uh, if I if I can, or if the workout kind of allows it. Yeah. Uh, but mostly, it's uh, against a bigger boat, a pair, or or the lightweight double, or the women's four, or something like that. Yeah. If we have to work with what we got. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, do you ever jump into the other boats uh, just to give yourself a break from the skull, or you know, do you do you jump in the eight maybe to race uh, in the local season or something like that? Uh, in the national champs, I row uh, with with the other guys. So, I, I, we uh, maybe a month ago or something like that, we had the national champs. And I rode the single and uh, double with uh, with one of the lightweight guys from the national team, and I rode the quad and an eight. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy kind of going out and trying something else, uh, trying to figure out how to move a, a crew. Um, but uh, usually after the world champs, I'm, I'm really happy to get back into my single. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm sure. I think like it because it's like it's quite a uh, it's like a, a special mindset of like rowing in the single. I think compared to to uh, a crew boat. So I think like people that are really good at rowing in the single, they're like so happy rowing in the single that it doesn't uh, they don't necessarily need that that team that team vibe that much. Uh, or they get no. so used to rowing in the single that they like they just develop their own their like uh, their own mechanisms mm. really. Yeah. I think you definitely have to uh, kind of handle the fact that you're going to train alone for a lot of the time. Uh, so it's, it's definitely a, a different dynamic uh, in the single than it is in, in a crew boat. They kind of you you rely on on your teammates and they kind of keep you honest and yeah, you you, you depend on each other, right? On the yeah. on the single, it's, it's kind of it's just you, and you have to motivate yourself to do what you have to do. Hmm. So, 
uh, talking about rowing uh, with the lightweights, I think uh, we have to ask if you if you ever rowed with uh, Eskil Everson. Yeah, that's a big name. Yeah, he, I rode the, the national champs uh, eight with uh, with Eskil. Yeah, I think that's the only time I've rowed with him. Maybe I've done it one other year in the in the eight, but, but that's kind of it. <laughs> Just that legend of that uh, that lightweight form must be like it must be pretty motivating, uh, motivating for you and like for the whole uh, Danish team to just know that like the legacy that the the the, the Danish lighty four is like has left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're, they're definitely uh, still an inspiration uh, on the team. So uh, they they usually train a couple of days a week at the same center as as we do. You can also use them as a, a kind of role models. Just look at what they're doing and kind of yeah. where is their success coming from. And you don't necessarily have to copy everything they're doing, but kind of take some inspiration and yeah, figure out how to how to make yourself fast. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Um, so we're gonna we're also gonna go back to to your rowing, and we we're really interested to speak about uh, 2012. I'm sure you must have been disappointed not going to London Olympics. This is this is quite. A, we've got to talk about late qualifications, and obviously you were in a an interesting spot with uh, coming fourth. And Lawrence knows the story better. Yeah, that was in uh, 2016. No, Jake's just oh, getting, uh, Jake's just getting his, his dates mixed up. But yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. twenty sixteen, like so I don't know, the way it, I understood it is that like uh you you finished uh fourth, fourth. Uh, yeah. and like and then uh, Belgium had uh, had two boats that had qualified and they had to choose one and then them choosing put you out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Um Kind of, I I got fourth place, so I was, I was one one spot from qualifying, and our lightweight double got third place. So they were also just outside of uh, qualification. But because Belgium has to choose kind of one boat, they both won their races. Uh, one spot would would fall down to to our boat, uh, but they chose the single, so so our double got to go to Rio. And yeah, I don't know. I wasn't expecting, I, w- I wasn't a part of the national team uh, in 2016. So I, I was a club, club rower. And, oh, uh, that's yeah, interesting. I got, I, yeah, I got to row uh, a World Cup that went pretty well. And the European champs that also, uh, also did, I think I got fifth or sixth or something like that. So I, I was doing all right. And uh, our lightweight double wasn't going as fast as they hoped. So uh, they chose to kind of send me to the uh, Lucerne final qualification regatta to kind of double up on their chances. Yeah. So, yeah, of course it sucked to be that close, kind of in a 50-50 situation and then don't get to go, but but I wasn't expecting to go anyways uh, the whole season, so it wasn't too much of a, okay. of a blow. <laughs> Yeah, because like, uh, me and Jacob both raced at, uh, at the final qualification. I raced in uh, 2012 and we missed it and it was, it's such a brutal feeling. And that regatta is like... It's a tough regatta. It's such a brutal regatta. And there's no like, there's no atmosphere. There's just like these crews racing on the track, like everybody's selling everything to, to make those last few spots. And it's just like absolutely brutal. Uh, yeah, you don't, want, you don't want to go through that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we... we 
yeah we we made it we raced it in the heavyweight four in 2016 and we we managed to make it through but i can tell you it's uh it's definitely not the 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 best way to go because everyone at that regatta like lauren said is desperate and uh it's not you know no one's there to watch you so it's not particularly fun it's kind of like the semi-finals and the and the b finals of the world world champs yeah you really don't want to be there <laughs> that's that's yeah, really tough really. racing we just uh, we also recently spoke to Sunita Paspira, and she's raced the late qualification twice. Yeah, I made it. You know, she's made it through both times too. But that's brutal, though. It is brutal. Yeah, yeah. Then oh, that's um, how it goes. I know you said that you 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 you've had some back issues and you haven't been on the Ergo that much this year. But then, like, uh, talk us through like that time. I mean, because it looks around like uh, th- 13, 14, 15. You were spending a lot of time on the Erg racing a lot of uh, crash bees uh it looks like you even won the, the 2011 uh, junior crash bees so like talk us through uh just like the ergo and like i don't know do you do you enjoy uh racing on the ergo like that yeah i, I kind of do um i enjoy training on the erg as well uh kind of being able, able to just push myself to the limits more than than I can do in a single. Um, so, so I, I still enjoy it. I still use the org quite quite a lot, um, and I I feel like it's it's a good instrument. But uh, the fact that you can pull hard on the org doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna go fast in the water. Mm. It's not really the same sport. Uh, um, uh, maybe the road perfect. I, th- I think the road perfect's kind of closer to to rowing on the water, but uh, yeah, it's still not exactly the same. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that you can replace like the no. the, the training on the water f- with the with the, with any of the ergos. But I do think that they like it's a really essential training tool. Um, for rowing yeah because you better believe that in that A final in the men's single every single person on those starting blocks has got a massive engine and yeah. uh, you you gotta you need to you need to do your your work on the on the machine to be able to just be able to compete because um, you I mean obviously that you have to row bloody well but if you don't have the, the engine to to get the job done you're gonna be in you, you're gonna be in trouble yeah I don't really understand people that neglect your or yeah they don't don't buy into the the erg scores uh, the erg score is definitely a good thing if you can pull hard in the erg uh, it it doesn't put you at, at a disadvantage no, uh, for sure not at all so uh, I kind of think that if you're rowing in, in into a headwind or kind of in just really dead uh, heavy water a good erg score is is definitely going to help you, uh, but if you get a, a really fast conditions and, and tailwinds, uh, the erg score kind of doesn't matter as much. But I always feel if I'm if I'm stronger than a rower and we're going into a headwind, I'm fairly confident I'm going to win because I can just I can just pull harder than you can, so I'm I'm going to win this race. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a good tool. And I also feel like the ergo is like, it's like the base. If you have a good erg score as your base, then like, yes, like maybe someone that's rowing worse is, or rowing better is not losing as much 
of their base when they get on the water. But if they have a good base, if you have a good base and you're rowing well and you'll be able to put that power down, then like that's, I mean, that's just the, mm. that's just basic maths, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's, so a, there's a lot of potential in, in a good org score. If you have a yes. good org score, you have a potential to go really fast. Yeah. And then like, so talk like maybe like uh, for some of our like uh, our, our listeners that are still at school and stuff like how should they approach the erg like what would you suggest uh, for like a schoolboy who's got like a big erg trial coming up like how should he approach it and then like how should he like pace himself through the through the trial? I, I like to do a lot of uh, preparation. When I've when I've done my kind of good erg tests, I'm fairly certain that I can pull the splits that I'm gonna try to pull. So I, I usually do a, a 1500 meter, a thousand meter and a 500 meter uh, a week before before the erg test. So that I kind of, so I know that I can pull these splits uh, kind of fairly certain. Uh, if you go in into a is that in one go, like uh, like one session, fifteen hundred thousand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One session with about five minutes. Okay. Uh, five minute break or something like that, and then mm-hmm. just just do the the middle thousand pace. Just hold the the middle thousand pace. Uh, so so you so you know and so you're certain that you can do this, and then you can kind of pull a bit harder on the last five hundred or the last seven or eight hundred if you feel if you feel good, right? Yeah. But if you just go into an erg test and you have no idea what kind of splits you can pull, that's for me. That's usually not a very good test. <laughs> yeah. I so I, I just think it's a preparation. Yeah. And also, you know, it's a, it's about confidence. Confidence that you can go out and uh, because I mean, like the first the first five hundred meters on the erg, you're not gonna unless you're really unfit and you've gone out way too hard, you're not going to like go up in flames. So I think it's a, it's a big confidence thing, knowing that you can do something and, and, and putting down a really good uh, beginning on the ergo, especially for, for young guys that aren't, you know, obviously haven't spent that much time on the ergo. They don't, they don't really know their bodies too well. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing about confidence, confidence in the fact that you can, can actually go out and run at this pace. Yeah, but I, th- I think there's a, there kind of, there's a difference between being confident and being ignorant. Oh yeah, that's kind of if, if if you if you haven't done the preparation and you just go in and you say, okay, I can pull uh, five forty as a junior. You're not gonna do that. <laughs> it's gonna hurt like hell. Yeah. But if you if you've done the preparation and you know that you can pull a, a six minute uh, erg score or something like that. Uh, then, then you can be confident that you can go in and you can do this for sure. And then, because I, I think there are a lot of rowers that are overconfident when they go into a to a work test. They kind of they think they're in better shape than they are, and then they just crash and burn. So then, like, also there's like there's no going getting around the fact that like the two k ergo is like is so painful. Like, there's probably there's not many things I think in the world that are that are more. Or more painful to to go and do so like how you like are you trying not to think about how much it's going to hurt or are you like trying to really think about like and accept that this the trial is going to hurt yeah i just try to accept it i know it's going to hurt so yeah just just accept it it's going to hurt <laughs> get used to it 
Yeah, and I also think there's a psychological element in when we were talking about how training on the erg can be beneficial to the racing part. I think the psychological element of like putting yourself in in the hurt box and getting used to the feeling, the discomfort, and still being able to work well on the ergo, making sure that you're not losing form, making sure that you're pushing on from piece to piece. I think that that's got a huge part to play when it comes down to racing and you need, you know, it's the beginning of a long week of racing and you need to put in multiple, multiple performances in one week and getting through the tight races too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I also think you get used to, to kind of the discomfort and the pain of doing an erg test. So you're kind of, you're more capable of of uh, kind of accepting it and staying relaxed when it starts to hurt. If you're a new rower, you kind of usually panic or change your form or, yeah, you, you change something when it starts to hurt. And if you're more routine, you kind of just accept it. It's, it, it hurts, but I can keep going and I can. Yeah it's uh the ergo is definitely and it's like it's such a beast and like i think as you're saying like the ergo time maybe it's not like directly related to, to how fast you can go in the water but it's a huge indicator and then like and especially at a school level because you know it's really difficult i think for coaches to select the right athletes and i think if you're an athlete that can put out a big erg time at school that like almost guarantees you uh, a spot in the in the top boats mm. yeah yeah, but I don't really know if that's uh, if that's right. Of course, a, a good a good erg score doesn't hurt. It's 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 good to be able to pull hard, but uh, you you kind of you have to be able to row as well. So a good erg score doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go fast in the crew. Yes, definitely. And then, suppose you won uh, uh, crash bees as a junior, so you must have been pretty good at school. Um, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good, pretty fast, I think. What was your, uh, your junior time there at Crash Bees? Six or four, I think. Yeah, that's pretty quick. Yeah, it's pretty quick for for juniors. I think our, I think the South African record is six or seven. Six or seven for our juniors. Yeah, yeah but there's some guy. I think the the world records. 52 I'm, or 51 or something yeah, like that. The world record is yeah. insane. I don't know how yeah. <laughs> cereal that, that guy is eating to get that quick, but yeah, that's, that's, that's some, but some, big, like, some uh, big boys. He came to Oli and he, he just got on the erg and then like he straight out the blocks, he pulling like 542. Yeah, that's the game. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> that's insane. Like, what the hell? How are we, we with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, definitely. That's, that's so, insane. So I also wanted to just ask a little bit because I saw there's like there's quite a lot of stuff on YouTube on like uh, your VO2 stuff and it seems like you guys do quite a bit of VO2 testing uh, in your in the Danish team. So uh, yeah, like just talk us through is that is that just are you on the 2K just doing the VO2? Is that what's happening there? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but we we do a we do a six minute test instead. So it's the same for the women and the guys instead of doing. 2Ks, right? Okay. Uh, so it's a, a little bit more than than a 2K, but but pretty much the same. And then we do it on sliders, uh, so as well. I saw. Is that? I mean, that must be that must be quite awful, though, actually, because like I enjoy doing distance way more than I enjoy doing time. And then if you had to do a time like a trial like that, it must be 
Then as you yeah, but you, if you if you just focused on the on the distance instead of the time, it's, yeah, I suppose. It, yeah, it's not so bad. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you know, you're gonna go a hundred meters further than you want to go. So that's that kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. So Suri, I mean, you 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 were saying earlier that um, you you made the step from the club system into the national team. I'm I'm interested to hear your your opinion if you if i mean if anyone out there is listening that's you know currently a club rower and they're looking to break into the national team or they're trying to they're trying to work out how they can take their own to the next level and maybe you know um get into the team like what is your advice to someone that's that's been in the club system and wants to take it to take the next step mm, just put in the work i think that's that's a really big part of it just you have to put in the work and uh, maybe set some goals, some realistic goals that you can, so you can gradually get better. Right? So, yeah, especially if there's a if there's an erg score, if you if you do this erg score, you get invited into the national team. Yeah, just gradually work up to that erg score. That's I think that's the simplest way to do it. Of course, you have to know how to row to, to be. To, to get into the crew, but but if there's an erg score, that's that's a fairly simple way to get in. Just pull harder than than what their erg score is, and then then you're invited. Yeah, um, and be able to roll like fairly good. And then like uh, moving on to to this season, obviously we weren't going to chat too much because we don't want to like uh, obviously you you there's still a lot of work to do before mm. we go on. But like, what are you what are you looking forward to to most out of the the next season? <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to the Olympics. That's yeah. the, the big goal, the big regatta. But uh, I also just want to see kind of how far I can, how far I can go, and if I can improve and get better the next season. That's that's usually my kind of my focus is just to get better than than I am right now. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Just to see how 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 good. I can get in the single. Yeah, I think especially after a season like you've had, it must really seem like uh, the sky at the lim- sky is the the limit at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So mm. you get a a bit more motivation to keep going. And, and, and uh, then, like, yeah, are you do your best? Mm. Are you gonna be? Are you gonna race in your like? I know a lot of the scholars they do like the gold cup or they go to hit of the Charles and they, they do a whole lot of that sort of thing. Are you, have you got any of that uh, on the horizon at the moment? Yeah, I'm going to head of the Charles and the, the gold cup. Okay. So I'm still, or I've, I've tried to do a fair amount of work. So not too much of a break after the world champs. Uh, I've tried to be in, in decent shape, uh, and then I think after the Gold Cup, I might take a couple of a couple of weeks where I do something else, kind of take a break from rowing and maybe bike or maybe a ski camp or something like that. Mm-hmm. Do something else. Yeah. Okay. Have you have you been to the the head of the Charles before? Is this a new one for you? No, I've been once. I wrote the Grade Eight and. 2017, I think. Okay. Yeah. Are you in the the grade eight this time? No, there's no uh, there's no eight this time. 
Oh, it's uh, so you're just racing I don't know the, why. the single? Yeah, I'm going to race the single, and I'm actually racing the the mix double on Sunday. Oh, the mix oh, double. So who's your partner yeah. to be in the mix double? Uh, our lightweight uh, women's uh, rower, uh, Julianne Rasmussen. Okay. <laughs> awesome. That sounds like yeah, lots of fun. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. <laughs> see how that works. Yeah, oh, and it'll be interesting to see how that works. It's going to be exciting for her. Yeah. I hope it's going to be easy for her at least. <laughs> yeah. So, so sorry, that takes us to, to the end of our, our interview. And um, knowing that you've listened to our episodes in the past, you know you, you, what you've got, you got coming for you with the quick fire questions. So, um, the first one on the list is if you could race any bow class at the Olympic Games, what would it be? The single. Easy choice. I was, <laughs> I was sure that was coming. It's pretty easy. If you have to choose something else, then uh, I would actually like to row the pair. The single or the pair. I think the pair is a, that's a really cool boat because you're you're so dependent on another person, uh, yeah. more so than in any other boat. So, yeah. so yeah, that's that's a really cool boat. Yeah, it's definitely like quite a unique relationship that uh, that the team has in the in the pair, because like yeah. even in a double, you know, you can each person can make the boat fast by themselves. Whereas like the pair, you can only make the boat yeah. fast as a as a as a team. Yeah, yeah, um, I kind of feel like it's 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 kind of the opposite of the single. Yeah. You're you're a hundred percent dependent on another person, and the single you're just completely alone, right? Yeah. yeah. So the pair would be. I think it's fun to row the pair, even though <laughs> I'm not fast at all. <laughs> but when when you get a couple of strokes that that feel good, and you kind of have some sort of a flow and a rhythm, yeah, and okay, you kind of get a, a higher sense of rewards. That what I like in the pair is like this. Uh... There's like quite a lot of feedback. Like you know, when you like doing when when you change and you make some you make progress, there's like straight away you can feel it in the strokes in the boat. You can mm. feel what uh, what the change you are, which is actually similar to the single as well. Yeah, you get that like immediate feedback of like, oh, okay, I just changed this, and now the boat feels better. The boat's going better. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really good boat. Mm. So the next question is, if you could choose three people from any time, anywhere in the world to, to row or to race in a, in a four or quad with, who would your three crewmates be? Uh, it would definitely, definitely be a quad. <laughs> I don't want to row a four. Mm. I wouldn't be any good at that. <laughs> uh, I think I'll take uh, Martin Sinkovic as, as the first choice. Seeing as they were incredibly fast in the double and yeah. he's he's yeah, had 59 is no joke yeah and they've he's just rolled very fast in the quad as well mm. um, and then maybe uh, Lars Schuf from the German quad 2012 2016 yeah um, I don't know too many kind of Older rowers. It's your choice. Yeah. Someone like Hamish would also be very fun to try. 
Yeah, I think Hamish or or Eric Murray. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a common choice for in these uh, in these in these quite combinations. But I mean, it's easy to understand why. It'd be interesting to learn from someone like that. But also, that would be yeah. such a dangerous quad, though, because I mean, it's not like uh, Eric and Hamish can skull as well. They yeah, like that's not, the they've given yeah. Mahi serious run for his money every now and then. Yeah. So yeah. I yeah. think that that would be like a really power quad. Yeah. Yeah. Or Thomas Lange or something. Or someone, yeah. No, no, some no, old, old, old. We only get three, three choices, squads. and you you made your choice. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just interested because I see Martin made the cut for the quad, but what up? What about his brother Valent? Yeah, I think I think Martin's faster in the skull, right? And I think he has a better erg score than Valent. Yeah. I'm not sure. They definitely has the six k uh, world record, so uh, yeah. so I think he's stronger. That's that's it. Just like when we when he's yeah, 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 him, yeah, the, yeah. the the gap between them is basically nothing. Oh, they're still they're one's still faster than the other. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the next question is: What is your favorite rowing race that you find yourself watching over and over again? Uh, when was the French pair? Oh, two thousand Olympic. Two thousand Olympics. Yeah. yeah. That's taken off. That's taken off uh, YouTube. I can't find it anymore. Really? Oh, yeah. But no, yeah, that was a that was an awesome race. It must be there somewhere. Must be there. Yeah, but I also really like uh, watching uh, Olaf Tufte at uh, 2008. the 2004. No, 2004. Oh uh, yeah, that was a big yeah. performance from him. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really good choice. Mm. Uh, yeah. That's a really cool race as well. Olaf is like, I think that is. That is his peak, his peak performance yeah. at 2004 was, Olympic race is so epic. Yeah, it's really, really fun to see him in the last 500 where he just opens up his sprint and demolishes Yuri Jansson in the in 20 strokes. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that takes some serious, serious power to get that done. Yeah. So our next one is, uh, if you were in charge at World Rowing, what would you change? Um, I don't know, but uh, kind of um, want to keep the sport relevant some way. Um, I want to change the distance maybe. Or not, not really change the distance, but maybe uh, put in a 500-meter sprint or a 200-meter sprint discipline as well. Because I really like the 2K. I think I think that's that's what rowing is. It's, it's yeah. a 2K race. So to change everything to a thousand meters or something like that, that would be a bit sad. But uh, maybe have something else as well, another discipline that you can do. Uh, and preferably a, a sprint uh, distance mm. yeah because that would be I'm with you 100% like I don't want to lose the 2k because that thing is like it's the it's, bread and butter of rowing and it's so it's gladiator and it's so epic but then like if you added like a, a 500 or a 200 or something just completely crazy 
and I mean you don't need, necessarily need to test it out at the games you can test it out at like a World Cup or something and it would just be so insane to like imagine watching the eights for like yeah. that dice down to 500 or 200, 200. 200 yeah. meters it would be crazy yeah that would be awesome well, wasn't that the Murray also suggested something like that right but that, was that doubling up in the eights on a 2k or was it doubling, doubling up in the eights for a 500 meter sprint no, I think Murray was doubling up in the eight. Yeah, but at Joel, the end of the regatta. At the end of the regatta, everyone, yeah. everyone that has to do their races and everyone that can put together an eight puts the guys that used to race into the eight and that eight races. And I think it was two hundred. Okay. I mean, I think it was two k. Yeah. Two k. Yeah. Yeah. But Joel, I think. Yeah, but it would be it would be fun to see an an eight race for. Yeah, two hundreds maybe a bit too too short, but definitely a five hundred meter sprint. That would be. That'd be very exciting. And we'd also get like countries that don't, you know, often because I mean, eight's a huge investment. Uh, if a, if you know, you need a lot of athletes um, to to get that that get that boat moving. It'll be cool because you would have countries like Denmark and South Africa and a bit a bit smaller rowing nations getting in the eight and having it dice. Yeah, but if if you if you do a shorter distance, a two hundred meter sprint or a five hundred meter sprint, um, kind of. Maybe more nations could be a part of that. Yeah, because be it's 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 easier to row a 500 meter sprint. Yeah, definitely. Kind of a, a lot of a lot of crews can go very fast for maybe a thousand meters or yeah 500 meters, but it kind of takes something else to be able to to go for for 2k or, or longer than that, right? Yeah, no, for sure. So it might it might be possible for other nations than Germany and USA and Australia to be to be in the race if it was shorter mm. so the next one is about the erg and i mean we know in uh, 2015 you rode uh 547 at crash bees is that the fastest you've been on the erg or, or have you managed to to pull that a little bit quicker uh since then i think that's my fastest official time but uh i've pulled uh five 44.5 and training no yeah, that's that's bloody quick and then and there's the, the vo2 test that you've done have you ever like uh ever like i know it's a six minute piece but have you ever like really pulled something like crazy quick there uh, no i think it's about the same split maybe a little bit faster but but no not nothing nothing uh, significant faster no no but it is a bit longer as well, though. So if it's the same split, then it's you know that extra hundred meters is is quite a bit. Yeah, but it's on the slides, so I, sh oh, I should yes. be able to go oh, faster. Right. Yeah, I actually would like to try uh, try doing a two k on the Ruperfect. Oh. As the uh, the Netherlands, they'll do the their testing on Ruperfect. Yeah, I think you can go very fast <laughs> yeah I think you can it seems a lot easier because you also yeah. have like just the rate just like the fact that you don't have to like turn the weight of your body at the catch uh, yeah. compared to the stationary erg is is really really game changer on the rate yeah I think you could you could easily rate 40 or 40 plus on the mm. on the row perfect yeah um, so Sorry, the next question, the last one to, to finish off the, the quick fire question is if you had to choose a different sport to go to the Olympics in, what would it be and why? I have no idea. 
100 meter sprint 100 meter sprint there you <laughs> go that's the that's the gladiator event at the olympics that's for sure yeah that'll be fun how fast do you think you could run 100 meters right now yeah not right fast now at all. if you go outside and just give 100 100 of the best meters you got what time would you put down maybe 13 or 14 seconds or something like that <laughs> I have no idea. It's quite funny because we, we, when we go to gym as a team, we right next to an athletics track and we all, every single time we go there, it's either we're talking about who's the fastest over 100 meters or who's the quickest over 800 meters. Yeah, but rowers are just massively slow on, on stuff like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I don't think we have the fast twitch uh, muscles you need to, to be able to really sprint and accelerate. Yeah, mm-hmm. heavyweight rowers especially are not built for for running. No, I think I think I can put in a good time. I back myself. <laughs> I think I think I can run pretty fast. Yeah. yeah, I think I I think I have a pretty I could have a pretty high kind of top speed, but I don't think I can start or accelerate. Yeah, because you're just heavy and the muscle kind of needs to get going before it can yeah really activate. At um, least you 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 could be pretty confident you win a hundred meters uh, sprint out the start in the in the skull. <laughs> I don't know. Chetel uh, is uh, massively fast in the first. If he really wants to go for the first hundred, he's he's faster than I am. <laughs> you see, this is why we need a, a two hundred meter sprint at the yeah, beginning of uh, one of the questions. World Cups or whatever, just to settle some of the some of the big questions of our sport. Yeah. And there are some guys that are really good at at sprinting. That, that would be very fun to to try it out. Yeah. Get some. Uh, there will definitely be some other winners than than we have on the two K. Yeah, I do. Not, I don't think it would be very. It wouldn't. I think there would be some correlation, but you would get some people that can. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would really shine, and that couldn't do the two K yeah. very well. Yeah, definitely. Well, Siri, that uh, that brings us to to the end of the interview. Uh, thanks so much for for uh, giving us your time. I think we've had a fantastic chat. Um, I think is there is there anything else I don't know that you maybe want to talk about? Any topics that we missed that you maybe want to chat about? No. Yeah. Was, I think it was a good chat. And yeah. just for the listeners, if if uh, how do they if people want to follow you on Instagram or or, or Twitter, where where can they find you? Uh, on Instagram just under Sveri Nilsson I think okay okay we'll put the we'll, we'll put, put the links in the, in the description below so yeah thanks so much for, for giving us your time it was a really cool chat and uh, really insightful into the mind of a scholar yeah the single scholar the single scholar yeah 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 thanks for having me yeah, yeah and, and all the best for the, the season to come we're going to be watching closely and hopefully we, we can have you on the show again after Tokyo yeah, that'll be good. And uh, good luck to to you as well. Right. Thanks a lot, Siri. Thanks, man. We'll see you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Cool. So that's a wrap for Sveri Nielsen from uh, Denmark. And what a cool chat that was. Yeah, I can tell you that for the Olympic season coming up, he's definitely going to be right up there with the medal hunt. I think, you know, he's... He's been phenomenal throughout the season and just speaking to him, you really get the sense that he's 
he's really onto something and he's really excited for next year. So I really enjoyed that chat and I cannot wait for the single skull next year because it's going to be a, a big event full of big names. Yeah, I mean, right from the beginning, it's going to be really crazy. And yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to next season completely. It's going to be really, really cool. Yeah. And yeah, just from our side, remember we we up in Lesotho uh, training on training camp, and it's just pretty crazy at the moment. But we're going to try and give you guys some some more episodes as we go through our camp. So yeah, stay tuned. Uh, remember to share the show, tell your friends about it, go go give us a review and a five star rating on iTunes. And yeah, we want to hear from you guys. So let us know what you think. Yeah. Otherwise. That's a wrap from us. Sweet, guys. Enjoy enjoy the week. That's us out. Sweet. Cheers.